Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. Our goal is to get to the root issues of systemic problems using a theological and psychological lens. We hope you enjoy. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration Services, their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis, and we have episode 100 today. We made it all the way to 100 episodes, which I'm super excited about. I want to first by thank, uh, thanking my listeners and the people who are super supportive of this podcast and just you know all the emails you send in and Instagram messages and questions and guest requests and all the things that you guys uh, do to help make Asking Why awesome and, and just all the people that have messaged from the help that they got and the therapy they've gotten into. Um, I'm just super thankful that God has uh, given me the space to have these conversations and to be able to get down to some root causes. So thank you guys for listening. Today we have Dr. Glenn and Phyllis Hill on. Um, they have amazing resources for couples. Um, Connection Codes is a book that they sent me that I read that is awesome. And so we're going to dive into some of that stuff today. So welcome to the the podcast, guys, and just kind of introduce yourself and tell us who you are. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having mm-hmm. us, Corey. Wow. Well, uh, quick version, we have been married 41 years. Mm-hmm. That says a lot right there. We have 10 uh, almost 12 grandchildren, four children, and they all live around us. So we have a full life and Glenn has a private practice, marriage and family therapist here in town. And, uh, yeah, it's good. Good things are happening. So Glenn, how long have you been at LMFT? Oh, goodness. I opened my private practice 10 or so years ago. So I'm not sure exactly the start date. It's been a blur. Uh, but somewhere uh, around that. And I'm also a clinical sexologist. So that's my PhD mm-hmm. uh, is in sexology, which is the greatest degree in the world. Because <laughs> yeah. I get to talk about sex all the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I recently had um, a, a, a clinical sexologist on the podcast too. And we had some great conversations. Um, I'll send you his stuff later. And yeah. then, uh, Ms. Phyllis, what's kind of your background? What do you do full time? What's your story? Well, uh, I ran a company for a very long time and then sold it in 2020 and jumped on board with Glenn Mm. with the connection codes. Uh, We speak all over, love to travel with him and have the opportunity to speak and then also do sessions with him in his private practice. Oh, wow. So you sit in on some of that and help with his therapy work? Yes, absolutely. And that's a blast getting to do that. There's just so much power in that for couples to be able to see us uh, that we're not just talking theory. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm a pretty good therapist, but just having her beside me, you know, multiplies it uh, incredibly. Mm-hmm. But the connection goes mostly grew out of our pain initially because our first 10 years we missed so horribly and we it was pretty brutal. Uh, our second 10 years, we followed all the marriage advice. We learned not to talk to each other about trigger topics, which means <laughs> we didn't talk very much. We had four children by then. And so uh, we mostly just talked about the kids. 
but we didn't connect. But we looked like we were doing great because we didn't fight like all the couples around us mm. uh, did. Really just learned how to live parallel lives and couldn't believe that this was the essence of it. I just, uh, and we're faith based, we were faith based, and we thought if God designed marriage, this is a really, really bad joke. That this is not what we signed up for. 24 hours before our wedding, we were excited about happily ever after. 48 hours after our wedding, we're like, oh my gosh, what did we just do? Because mm-hmm. we'd signed a 70 year contract. You know, I figured I'd die when I was 90 and I was 20 years old at the time. Yeah. Although, but hoping to be sooner um, because we had just missed so badly with each other. Most of it centered around sex, but just a lot of it was, we had no idea how to process through anything uh, basically. And uh, we're the slow learners in the group. So it took us 20 years before we got a, a clue on how to actually do this. And then Phyllis actually made me quit working. I went back to school, started doing research and to figure out how is this possible? How is this possible that these two people who are intelligent, they're talented, they're gifted, they have every good intention, they're trying their hardest, and they are completely lost from each other. Mm. And that's what eventually evolved into what we now call the connection codes that were actually coded for deep connection. We just didn't have the tools to do that. We had no idea uh, how we were missing each other so terribly. And now we know, and that's the reason we're passionate about this, because we're mesmerized that this is even possible, especially because we remember the pain. Mm-hmm. We know what it's like to live in pain, not just for an hour, or a day or a week, literally for decades. And yeah. that's and now to get to live what we're living, we're like, what the heck? How is this? Is this the same couple that it was 20 years ago? And it is. And we're mesmerized mm-hmm. by that. Pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. What about for you? Well, you know, I think about that in just the idea that we did not, we thought we had the list of all the things Mm. covered before we got Mm. married and we're shell, I was shell shocked of how the honeymoon went and you know, how it's kind of like you come out of that going, who do you talk to? Didn't know anybody Mm. to talk to because no one had really talked to us before we were married. And you know, it just, it's kind of like you all of a sudden are living in pain and you don't know what to do with that pain and it just it becomes a part of your life that you hide you know there's it's not we were very active in ministry back then and it just it's like there's no place for this mm-hmm. we're supposed to be doing great and mm-hmm. so you know we would show up and and do the church thing and smile and you know just act like we were great and there were parts of our lives that we would say were great and you know it it just it didn't change the love that we had for each other we just didn't know how to navigate conflict and how to navigate painful topics and and so it became one of those like glenn said we just avoided a lot of topics but then they would come back up and they would you know they would explode and then we would wound each other deeper and then we would get over it and then it would go into the cycle of am i safe or is it not safe to talk about this and it's better not to be authentic and just suffer in silence is is what we did and you know we saw that more as the longer you've been married and you do have friendships where there is a little bit of authenticity you see that others are suffering too that it doesn't seem like marriage comes without pain and it's kind of one of those yet every wedding you go to everybody's so excited Mm -hmm. and the vows are, you know, this is the love of my life. And, you know, nobody goes into that going, yeah, this is going to be really painful. (laughs) And, 
It just seemed like for us, we just yeah. never believed it had to be that way. And we thought though, it was about logistics. Like if you get all the logistics right, and that, you know, Glenn kind of mentioned that for us, one of the trigger topics that we was sex. And it's like, well, if you can get that right, then everything else is going to be great. Yeah. And so that was our focus for many, many years. And it's like, okay, we got that going really well. Mm. But then we realized, no, that's not all. Like we were still missing each yeah. other. And, and there was a lot of confusion, to be honest, because I saw the world one way, he saw the world mm. a different way. And it was, it was just maddening. And there was an incident that happened that's now kind of that big moment. And we, mm. we write about it in our book. We talk about it a lot. It's in our master classes, and we call it the dishwasher story. Mm. And this is 20 something years into our marriage yeah. where it was one of those nights where I came in to start dinner and thought, oh, I need to unload the dishwasher first. I opened it, it was already unloaded. Glenn comes into the kitchen and I say, hey babe, thanks for unloading the dishwasher. And he responded in his typical way, which was snarky. And he said, well, that's not like the only thing I've done today. And that right there would lead us into a, a disconnect, into pain, into an argument. And I knew that was coming that, you know, so I, most of the time in those moments, I would just roll my eyes and turn my back and just not say anything and just start fixing dinner. And that particular moment, um, I was like, this is crazy. Mm. What is happening for him that that's his response. And so I'd actually turn towards him and that mm. curiosity led me to say to him, what do you hear me say? What happens for you when I say, thank you for unloading the dishwasher? Yeah. And what we were missing so horribly is that I happen to live with one of the most productive people on the planet. She happens to live with one of the lesser productive people on the planet. I'm a lot of fun to have around, but uh, I struggle getting just basic tasks done. So when she would say, thanks for unloading the dishwasher, it sounded to me like she was like making a big deal out of a small thing mm -hmm. because she loads the dishwasher, you know, who knows what, at that point we had four kids. So 10 times uh, a week. And so I thought she was being sarcastic, you know, and it felt demeaning. It felt humiliating that she's like, whoa, it's a miracle. Glenn did something worthwhile for a change. <laughs> you know, let's have a party, throw some uh, confetti in the air. So I would feel incredibly wounded uh, by that. And it felt embarrassing that she was making a big deal. So my response was a defense mm. that that's not the only thing uh, I did today. And just for the record, I'm the educated one. Phyllis is the smart one. She's the one that, and I, I literally think every benchmark in our relationship has been something that she uh, has figured out where we were missing uh, because we had done that pattern, not 10 times, not a hundred times, literally thousands of times over a period of 20 plus years. And she just got curious in that moment and wanted to find out what was happening for me. When I told her it revolutionized our relationship because she realized, oh, he experiences a whole bunch from that. And she actually went through a period of probably years where she would say, uh, I think the correct response is you're welcome. Well, of course, I'm going, wait, 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 you insulted me profusely. You've just stabbed me in the gut. And I'm supposed to say you're welcome, which, again, none of that was what was happening with Phyllis. Mm -hmm. uh, she genuinely meant the six words that she said, thanks for unloading the dishwasher. But in that moment, she slowed us down enough that she saw that, oh, there's a lot happening for my partner 
that I'm missing. She had no idea. Again, not once, twice, 10 times for 20 plus years that this was our pattern. This was what was happening. And that was a big, big shift uh, for us. And that's one of the tools we use to this day uh, to find out what's happening for the other person. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it was, it was like this light bulb went off Mm. and it, it explained so many things because I didn't ever see it from his perspective before that. Mm -hmm. And I had my own clarity that you're supposed to say you're welcome. And then we would be peaceful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I never realized that what the message he was hearing was so condescending. And of course, you know, he viewed me as extremely productive. I didn't view myself that way. I was just doing the next thing. Like I, I never compared his productivity to mine. I never thought to do that. And so his reaction was so out of my paradigm. And, you know, also in those moments, I learned there's so much deeper, there's so much, there's stuff going on that's so much deeper than what it looks to be. And I thought it was all about the dishwasher and it had nothing really to do with the dishwasher. Mm. And so logistically in previous years, it's almost like I would then avoid even the idea of him ever unloading the dishwasher. Cause I didn't want to get anywhere near the possibility of him giving me some snarky response mm. and us being at odds for the rest of the evening. And so I was always trying to run ahead of him to avoid any possible misstep that would get him off and that was exhausting for me Mm. and when that moment happened and i heard his experience it kind of took us to this all completely new level of curiosity and understanding and it was this simple idea of just tell me what happens for you and then vice versa because that there's such a genuineness in that there's such a depth in that it's that that true authenticity where we can show up and say well i hear the words thank you but that's not how they feel to me mm-hmm. they don't feel like gratitude i hear it like you're making fun of me and you know that kind of led us down many years of of research and understanding how the body functions, how emotions fire in your brain, which that all was mind blowing for me because I, for years would say, yeah, Glenn's the emotional one. I don't do emotion. Mm. And I literally thought I could opt out of emotion. It's kind of like either you get stuff done or you're emotional. Yeah. I've thought that they were not, like you, you either went in one direction or the other. I had no idea that the brain fired emotion, that everyone has emotion. You can't opt out. You can't choose the ones you want to choose. Emotion happens to you. And it took us down an incredible road full of research and tools that a lot of it was first just to help me because Mm -hmm. I had, uh, from a very young age, learned that tasks were acceptable emotions were not Mm. and so i went really well into the task part of my life and totally ignored the emotion a part of my life and really took a lot of pride in it like 
I get stuff done because I'm not emotional. And if, you know, and I know even being critical of Glenn, like if you would just stop being so emotional, you would then be that productive person you want to be not realizing emotion was not the issue. And actually we both have emotion and I had more unhealth in the fact that I denied all of my emotion and thought that that was the healthy way to live. Yeah. And that led us about that same time. Uh, Phyllis made me quit working. I was a contractor at the time. And uh, she said, babe, as hard as you work, we should be rich and we're not rich. So you have to quit working. Which I was like, mm -hmm. that seemed like a bad idea. But she started building a business and she was amazing at it. Far, far better than I ever was running my business. And I went back to school and that allowed me the freedom to start doing research in human behavior to figure out how this young couple who is so excited about happily ever after the 24 hours before their wedding, sometime thereafter, whether it's a day, a two days, a week, a month, six months, a year, virtually every couple uh, within a year or two is thinking, what the heck happened? You know, great, I'm stuck with this person the rest of my life. And of course, they, these day and age, a lot of people just go, forget it, I'm not doing that. Uh, I think the divorce rate is the same today as it was 100 years ago. Now people just make it legal. They, they actually file the paperwork uh, yeah. on it. So uh, I, I was determined, I don't have a lot of strengths, but one of my strengths is I'm going to figure this thing out. Dang it, you give me something that's broken, I'm going to figure out how come this might take me three and a half weeks, so I can't make a living at it. Um, but I'll figure out how come this you know gadget is not working. So I was going to figure this out. And I knew that it was figure outable. Uh, I just couldn't believe. And, and we're faith-based, and I believe that God designed marriage. And I'm like, what a horrible idea. What, what kind of cold-hearted, cruel joke is this right. to set this thing up? And all I could figure is that back at uh, creation, there were no video games, so uh, God was just looking for some entertainment. And so he's like, oh, wait a minute, I know. Well, we'll invent marriage and it'll be very entertaining. We'll get some popcorn and, you know, just observe. Uh, so, which I no longer believe that. <laughs> but at the time I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Who would set people up for this painful, brutal, unmanageable, unbearable scenario? Then I started recognizing emotion, studying emotion and realizing, oh my goodness, this is not optional. And mm -hmm. people say, and this is centuries old, you know, people are like, you need to control your emotions. You can't control your emotions. There's no such thing. Mm -hmm. You can control your behavior, but you cannot control your emotions. Emotions are brain chemistry. And it's literally, we have a five regions in the brain that are the central command center for emotion. Emotion occurs throughout the body, but the limbic system actually houses the core emotions. And you don't get to choose what's happening there. Nobody plans their emotional day each morning. You know, 11.30, I'm going to feel some shame. You know, 1.15, I'll feel some fear. Nobody does that. That's right. not how humans function. So then we started recognizing that, oh, this is just a human condition. Then when we figured out that humans actually connect in deep relationship through emotion, not logistics. Logistics get us together geographically. They do not get us together relationally. Mm -hmm. That shifted a whole lot to realize, oh, okay, so we have to get down to this to help people connect with emotion. Well, of course, most people don't even understand emotion. They have no idea. And they've been told, whether verbally or non-verbally, most of their lives to stop experiencing what they're experiencing and to shut up about it. And they did. They learned to do uh, that uh, at whatever age five eight ten twelve fifteen and at some point they stopped uh, being authentic uh, we're all coded to be authentic we we're born that way we're authentic at the beginning of our lives and then somewhere along the way we get knocked off course and we stop uh, doing that 
But Phyllis wants to dance with the authentic version of Glenn. She That's wants right. to know the real core uh, of Glenn. And whenever I'm able to do that, to present myself that way, uh, she lights up and we connect uh, very, very deeply. And it's very much vice versa. But that's the power of it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's awesome. Uh, I think you're spot on with people not knowing their emotions. You know, we have conversations all the time with clients and people, and you, you know, you'll say, "Well, how do you feel? Like, what in in that moment? What were you feeling?" And usually, you get right one of two things: I'm I'm ticked off or I'm sad. And it's mm-hmm. like that's it. If they can well, name it, it's those two emotions. And it's like, what about betrayed or unknown or not good enough or unworthy or, you know, broken or uniquely broken or, you know, you start giving them this kind of feelings list and, and you, you'll see it, right. It'll hit them when they're like, that's the word. That's the thing that, that really sits with me. But you're right. We we're, we're a couple of generations removed from people who just like removed all the emotion out of it because they see emotions as bad. Right. And mm-hmm. uh, it's crazy as Christians that we would think that way because, Jesus was the epitome of all the emotions and God even in scripture, you know, goes, has lots of emotions that he lists. And, you know, one of my favorite things is, you know, Jesus before the tomb of Lazarus, um, you know, weeping for his friend. And I think sometimes we do that with each other. You know, we minimize, we invalidate, we, especially in marriage, you know, get over it or that's not what I think, or that wasn't my intention. So you know what the truth is, get over it. And it's like, well, Jesus knew what the truth was. He knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus, but he still, he still cried about it. He still mourned about it. And I think if we can teach people that it's okay to feel emotions and actually feeling them, experiencing them in your body, in your brain, in your heart, and then learning what, what do those mean? What do those tell me about myself? Then we can actually start to control our behaviors and our actions. And, and so, yeah, that's what I loved about kind of you guys' cycle and, and your, the thing that you guys teach. Um, and just the connection codes in general, because it is about trying to find connection. And, mm-hmm. and I think addiction and drugs and alcohol and porn and all these things are about trying to find connection and connection is the, the solution to most of those addictions. Yes, there's chemistry going on and yes, there's brokenness in biology, but even yeah. those things can be healed through connection because if, yeah. especially if that person has the Holy spirit in them, right? Cause that's ultimately the connection that you really need is that connection with your father in heaven and that's why Jesus left the Holy Spirit for us is so that we could have the Holy Spirit in us loving right. on the Holy Spirit in others. And there's something spiritual and magnificent and magical about all that, that, that changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Bruce Alexander, uh, was one that said that the opposite of, um, uh, addiction is not sobriety, which we've believed for generations. He said the opposite of addiction is connection. Uh, and a good friend of mine, Aaron Zint, uh, says that these addictions, you know, whether alcohol, porn, whatever, uh, they're not the problem. They're the solution. They're a bad solution, but mm-hmm. that's actually the solution. That yeah, they the, work. That's the end of it. And what we do is we treat it as though that's the problem. And so we, and I'm not against any 12 step groups or whatever that benefit people, but we just treat the symptom yep. and we haven't really solved the problem. We've just stopped this one behavior. That's a detriment. I'm not saying it's a benefit at all. It's a detriment. But if we don't go before that, before, before, before get to, we call it the core, get to the core of it then we're really just treating symptoms. So now the alcoholic is no longer drinking alcohol. Now they're fill in the blank, doing this other 
thing. And so then they need to go to another group to solve that problem. Uh, and then they're just mm-hmm. continuing, but we don't ever get to the core of what's actually causing uh, what's the, the, the core of it, the foundation of what's uh, the, the problem. The, um, and, and so it's just maddening because then we just are spinning plates uh, all around. Yeah. yeah. People get really frustrated with that because our whole world is set up on that behavior modification idea. And even the American church to some degree, right? Don't drink, don't cuss, don't date anybody who does, you know, look right, be nice, do all these things. But are, you know, are you doing it with the right heart posture? And, and scripture is clear that in, unless you're doing it without love, it's a clanging gong. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, the church in and of itself has kind of thrown the science and the biology and the and the things that I think you guys focus on so well in your research out with the bathwater, right? They've they've thrown that baby out and they've and we've got a what I love about what you guys are doing, it's very similar to my passion, is like we've got to integrate this theology and the psychology together. And that that biology and that psychology is general revelation. You know, it's God going, hey, here's how I've created you. Here's how our humans are wired. And here's how they function in 2023 based on epigenetics and history and all the things we know. Now, that needs to pair well with Scripture, right? There needs to be some truths. And when it doesn't, it gets really wonky, as I know you guys see, when psychology can just, you know, go some really toxic, unhealthy ways. Yeah, you know, it, it is so interesting just talking and realizing, okay, so God created our bodies. And a lot of it is, I know for me, just my parents were uh, pastors, they were missionaries in Germany after World War II, you know, like my my beginning memories are just loving Jesus, you know, telling people about Jesus. And what, you know, a, a great foundation of a love for God, but I never understood the things that I now know. And, and I think a lot of us have similar stories and that's, I think why for me going into marriage where I did all the things, right. It's like, it, especially when you have gone down the road of the purity culture and, mm-hmm. you know, there was so many things in those times that we were like, look at this checklist of things that guarantee you success in marriage. And when then immediately the amount of pain that came, it was shocking and confusing and felt betrayed almost by God. And, and so then it's a spiritual thing that comes thrown in there too. Like you begin to question everything. Mm-hmm. And so it took us years to almost unravel it, to realize, okay, actually we just, really were we missed god's heart and god's intention and and when you know the body and that's so much of glenn's research was understanding like what is the human condition here god created the human body and when he first started bringing this stuff home and and sharing with me like did you know your brain houses emotion you can't opt out i'm like okay this goes against everything i've ever thought believed done yeah and yet when you when you go wait but god created me so then i became like so open i want to know i want to know what i've missed and i want to understand how god created me and the body is amazing and when you learn when you think about it from wait a minute i've just missed this i was just never taught this science class never Mm. covered this and to go okay so it's a it's the 
the messenger center of mm. my body. It's that I've got to learn how to tune in because if I don't know how to figure out what's happening with me, how am I supposed to tell my spouse what's happening with me? And so often we get so confused in it all that, you know, we don't know how to be authentic. So we kind of that, I mean, I was taught you fake it till you make it. Right. And it's like, whoa, wait a minute. It's not that complicated. God actually created you to have a, have a messenger center in your brain. Yeah. You just have to learn how to identify what's mm. happening for you. Tune in. And a lot of the tools that we teach are simple, very, very simple. Mm. And that's thanks to me because I'm married to a researcher, a scientist. All of his words are really big. And I'm like, no, babe, I'm the cliff note girl. I'm not going to read that book. I'm not going to read that research paper. <laughs> I, I don't have time. I don't want to take time make it simple. And then when even in creating the core emotion wheel, the eight yeah. core emotions, I needed it simple. Like, and the science now is becoming more and more phenomenal. Yeah. How through brain scanning, we actually see that when we tap into our and identify the fear region of our brain, and we communicate that verbally out loud, it actually releases it out of our limbic system. Mm -hmm. We are able to regulate our nervous system by yeah. doing that, which yeah. is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And just for the record, Phyllis was a very difficult case study. So yes, I, I didn't was. want Thank her to you. present herself too. <laughs> good. Well, once she got into it, but initially she's just running her business. And so I'm doing all this research and I'm coming home like, babe, look at this. And she's half, you know, a third tuning in because <laughs> she's busy doing stuff. You know, she's keeping her very large ship running. And uh, she had just had no idea that it applied to her. She's thinking, oh, this is really cool stuff you're doing, whatever. You know, I'm glad you love it. Uh, and then I'm just honing in going, oh, that's how we miss each other so much. Uh, it applies to all humans. But, and she was the one to figure that out because I'm thinking it's just marriage. You know, I'm a marriage therapist. So it was all about marriage. Mm -hmm. And one day she said, wait, babe, this isn't just marriage. This is humans. This is every human relationship that ever happens. So when we start seeing that uh, and the, the, so many uh, and the, with our masterclass, we cover so many of the nuances because there's so many layers of this, but it's incredibly simple. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, you can research it endlessly, which I love doing, but to realize when Phyllis says to me, I feel hurt by what you said, it actually tickles the pain region of my brain and it becomes a shared human experience. And we bond through that versus somebody going, you know, you hurt me. Well, now that person looks like an attacker. Uh, we call it the wolf. Mm -hmm. So now Phyllis looks like a wolf in my brain. Now I'm activated with fear because I'm like, oh, crap, there's a wolf in the room. You know, what am I going to do with a wolf in the room? Right. She's going to rip my throat out. Mm -hmm. And we're off to the races and we're doomed, at least in that moment. Whereas when she's able to very, very simply convey from a position of vulnerability that I felt hurt by what you said. She's not trying to feel hurt. She's not volunteering for hurt. She's not choosing mm -hmm. hurt. She just felt hurt. I'm not even blaming Glenn. Uh, in that situation. Did I contribute to it? Maybe, maybe not. I may have actually said something good, like thanks for unloading the dishwasher. But in that, of course, we're reverse rolling here. But in that situation, the other felt pain. Yeah. Uh, so when we start recognizing that, that, okay, that, that individual is not choosing pain. They're not trying to feel pain. And you can correct them all day long. We call mm -hmm. it the court case. You can take them to court and prove that they shouldn't feel pain. They should not feel hurt. Okay. You won the court case. You lost the relationship, but you won 
about the court case. And that's what most people do. And we, especially we faith-based people say it's in the name of truth. You know, I'm just standing up for truth. Well, Phyllis did feel hurt. That's the truth. She mm-hmm. did feel hurt by what I said. Did I intend for her to feel hurt? I hope not. But she did feel pain. She did feel hurt. And we have to make space for that. And now we're really good at it because we know the connection codes. Uh, and I should mention that just in passing, that the connection codes are based on the human condition. Every human on the planet who's connecting deeply is using the connection codes, not because we say so, not because we wrote a book about it. It's the human condition. Mm-hmm. When someone feels disregarded by another person, they will not connect deeply. It's mm-hmm. not because I wrote about it on page 86. It's because that's the human condition. That's true for everybody. And nobody mm-hmm. gets to opt out of that and go, oh, no, no, no. I treat my wife like crap and I expect her to connect deeply with me. Sorry. Welcome to planet Earth. That's not how the human uh, condition occurs. And, and there's nothing you can do to get away from that. Again, not because Phyllis and Glenn said so, uh, but because that's just the human condition. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, if somebody doesn't feel safe, then there's, you know, their nervous system kicks in, their fight or flight happens, their hippocampus is all over the place, right? There's all this awesome brain research that we didn't have, you know, 50 years ago. I mean, for goodness sakes, the, the word PTSD didn't come into the English language in the DSM until 1984. I think we we have to recognize as a society that we're not we've moved from, you know, communal living and and living as families and gathered together and helping each other into individual culture in just 50 years and the brain science and the actual understanding of how we're wired and how that shapes is is really new right in the middle of all that chaos. And so it's no wonder that the family unit, the marriage is being attacked, you know, so much you know, as you said, for hundreds of years, the marriage, the unit has been broken and men have done their thing and women have done their thing. And that systemic, whether you call it patriarchy or power or whatever you call it has changed throughout society. But the core thing that hasn't changed is, is our inability to, to stop and and communicate when we're hurt, when we're in pain. And Mm -hmm. I would say deeper to even know what, what we're in pain about and not to put that on our spouse or our coworker or our boss. You know, um, I do a lot of marriage retreats and then parenting seminars. And I think I think you're so right, Phyllis, in, in recognizing that it's just the human reaction to anybody, because if mm-hmm. you're if you're not healthy, then you're going to be reacting to your kids. You know, and I see that a lot. Um, we want to parent as a church, as a society. Um, we want to discipline. We want to punish. We want to do these things so that our kids turn out a certain way. And yet, if you ask the person, well, how, you know, at three, what does your kid need or how do they develop or how does their brain work? They're like, well, I don't know. It's right. like, okay, well, if you, you know, if you're going to put, you know, drive a car or use your cell phone or computer or whatever, are you just going to wing it the whole time and wonder why you keep getting, you know, the wrong things and you can't get this function to work? Or are you going to maybe get, you know, the, the book out, the manual out that says, here's how it is. And our parents would have said, well, we didn't have a manual and that's why we screwed it all up. Right. But the sad thing is like, for example, connection codes and, and other research that's out there and parenting. And there actually is information that we have now that shows mm-hmm. kind of, we don't know at all. There's still, still mystery, but there is a lot more people speaking to these things. And, and I think y'all's book, you know, for my listeners, you know, it's, it's not long. It's not some heavy beat you over the head with it. Um, book. I mean, I got through it really quickly mm-hmm. and, it was very validating and comforting and encouraging. And just, you know, I was looking at our marriage and we're very similar to you guys. I'm, I'm the therapist and thinker and, you know, dreamer. And, and my wife's the more practical, pragmatic person. There is a right way to do the dishwasher. And, uh, and we've worked through that ourselves. And, um, and yet 
I'm with you, you know, Glenn, like, you know, she's taught me so much about who I am and, and seen the missing pieces and picked up on stuff. And she's usually ahead of me in that. She'll say, well, I don't know if this is good for us. She doesn't always have the same reasoning that I have or know why, but she has that instinct. And then later I'll say, yeah, you were right about that. She's like, I know, you know, so, uh, it, anyway, the whole thing is, is a beautiful, beautiful mess. Um, tell me, so we talked about a lot about emotions. So in your book, you talk about kind of how people can identify their emotions. So for people who don't know how to identify their emotions, kind of tell us your process to help people with identifying those and then processing those and, you know, looking at that stuff. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Well, no, I think that that's what I love about the simplicity. We call it the core emotion wheel. Mm. Uh, and it, it came from, yes, all the research, but if it was me going, keep it simple, mm. like make it something I can do in a quick amount of time. Cause I was so clueless at 50 years old because I believed all my life that I could opt out. And so I'm like, I do not know how to tune in uh, with this, this place in my brain, these core emotions. And so the, the eight core emotions and being able to tune in and go, okay, what's happening with, with me in fear, in anger, in shame, guilt, hurt, sad, lonely, and joy. Mm. It's like, oh, okay. Wow. And you know, my knowledge of myself has definitely expanded, but when you keep it to the eight core, I don't get lost in that. And, and what's beautiful about it is in any language, you can translate the right. word fear and everyone knows what fear is. Yeah. And so it doesn't, it's not complicated. Mm. And, you know, we've developed it into a four minute a day tool mm. where we can slow down and tune in and, and do this exercise where it's like, okay, what's happening with me? And in sharing and hearing Glenn share with me, I, you know, we're always, I'm always amazed and it, it just washes over me. So it's, you know, that's, I think the beauty and the power of, of what God has gifted us with, mm. with all of this is that when I hear his at the core, when he shares his shame or his guilt, it just washes over me and vice versa, mm. or if he expresses a fear and you know, it's, it's just like, wow. And, and part of what we teach too is how to respond. So we call that the power of the ooh, which is just an audible response. And we've gotten this show wrong, especially I think in our church uh, family community where we think we have to encourage everyone. So someone walks in and they share something and we immediately think that we need to jump in right away and have a scripture to share or, mm. you know, a, a word of, of, you know, love or something. Well, what we don't realize is that so often the person doesn't feel heard right. or regarded. Uh, we don't even realize that we've actually cut them off. We've not even asked one single question, that kind of stuff. And so in all this research, again, it's just brain chemistry, which is so powerful because right. it's like, wow, God created us and we're amazing creatures. Mm. It's that power of the audible listener and just like making space for what you're going through and knowing I don't have to fix it. That is so yeah. incredible. Yeah. So often we take on the burden of other people and we think we have to fix our partner. We have yeah. to give them the answers. Actually, they just want to be heard. Yeah. Every once in a while, someone wants advice, but then they are pretty clear. Hey, I'm about to buy a car. Do you think this one is a good one? That's real clear advice seeking. Mm -hmm. But often people just want to be heard in their experience and that we call that following the energy of what's happening for that person. And it's so powerful when you think, I don't have to fix you. I don't even have to 
really agree, disagree, encourage. I don't have to defend myself. I actually just need to make space for what you're experiencing. Yeah, and as we ex- researched into emotion and just the brain, that there are five neural regions. It's true for every human on the planet. There are no exceptions. Uh, anger, disgust, pain, pleasure, and fear. And again, this is just brain scanning. So it's no longer a theory or a philosophy or a neat idea. It's just, you know, every human on the planet breathes oxygen. Yeah, well, no Ice cream. Uh, you know, I'd love to breathe ice cream. That'd be fun. Well, sorry, you don't get to. You have to breathe oxygen. It's not an option. So this is just brain chemistry. We separate two of the regions because they look so different on a brain scan. Emotional pain, we divide into hurt, sad, and lonely. They look very different on a brain scan and the experience of it. You know, hurt feels very different than lonely. Uh, you know, sharp stabbing pain is hurt. Loneliness is that dull, aching pain. And then disgust, we divide into guilt and shame because they look identical on a brain scan, but um, the facial expression, body language, and behavior is distinctly different for people when they're conveying guilt versus uh, shame. So we get the eight core emotions. That's just the human condition. And there are thousands of emotion words, but all of them are a uh, either a level of or a hybrid of the eight core emotions. The power of this is it helps people narrow it down. Mm -hmm. So whenever you hand them a list of 120 emotions, it's going to take them 10 minutes to sort through the list. Mm -hmm. Whereas if they realize that, oh, this is just brain chemistry. I have eight core emotions. Every human on the planet has eight core emotions. I can get that. Now I may elaborate on it in the next sentence or two, but when if I ever walk in and say to Phyllis, I feel overwhelmed, she doesn't really know what that means. She knows it means something, but overwhelmed is actually a result of an unprocessed core emotion. Uh, anxiety, stress, those are words that are, are so much variation. What does stress mean? Well, it depends on who you're talking to. It depends on what they're experiencing. But if we get back to the core, and then we started seeing that whenever I convey a core emotion to Phyllis, it activates the same core emotion in her brain. Again, I think I mentioned earlier, it becomes a shared human experience and we bond through that Yeah, because every human on the planet knows the eight core emotions. Everybody knows what fear is. We just do. And whenever I say, whoo, dude, I felt some fear earlier today. It tickles the fear region of your brain and you're tuned into me and you're cued into me. And you know what that means because you know what fear is because every human uh, knows what fear is. So as we begin doing that and then we're like, we got to figure out a way to help people get this. We're Mm -hmm. coded for this from birth. We know how to convey authentically from birth. Uh, You know, a 12-month-old never hesitates to present authentically, vulnerably, Mm -hmm. even at 3 o'clock in the morning. If you have small children, you know this is true. They just, and and they don't hesitate. They they don't look at their watch and go, you know what, I bet dad and mom are tired. I'm going to let them sleep until 7. Nope. I'm experiencing something. Absolutely not. Somebody needs to be in tune with me. I have a need. Let's go, mom and dad. I get it. 3 a.m. I don't care. You need to be present with me. Well, there's no birthday where that changes. You know, now you're three, five, eight, ten. It doesn't matter. This is always the human need. Mm. I always need to be able to convey process in the moment exactly what's happening for me. So that's the whole purpose of the, of the connection goes with the core emotion wheel is that people we're retraining them to be able to do this because they got lost along the way. And so now they're completely inauthentic. 
They don't know how to be vulnerable. They don't know how to convey it, how to process. And so they're just constantly at odds, which again was our story for a very, very long time. And now we know how to process it. What's amazing is research came out about two years ago that uh, humans don't experience a core emotion for more than 19 seconds if it's not reactivated. That is stunning Mm. to think that we are 19 seconds from changing the world. It's unbelievable if we could get good at this because when the, when we miss on that, there's lots of things that reactivate core emotions, but when we miss on it, now it starts to escalate. And now Phyllis and Glenn are at war mm. for who knows, an hour, a day, a week. You know, we used to have three week disconnects, three week conflicts. And now we literally rarely ever go more than 30 seconds with tension between us. Blows my mind. I wouldn't, if you'd said that to me 25 years ago, I would have said, oh, shut up. That's stupid. That, that can't be done. Mm-hmm. And now, and to this day, I mean, we look at each other, like literally we'll process through something in 30 seconds and we look at each other like, did, did that just happen? Did we just do that? That's a thing. What? Well, that was about 30 seconds and we're good. And because we remember the pain, we remember mm-hmm. the misses, endless, countless misses, and all the pain and the trauma that we experience with that. So that's the reason we're passionate about the connection codes. Number one, because we live it and we're just like, oh, this is really cool. But we've also found the cure for relational cancer and we can't, can't not spread it to 8 billion people yeah. on the planet. That's our, that's our population goal, by the way, is 8 billion. That's good. <laughs> I'm excited about it. I mean, I think it's going to be a really good resource for people. It's going to, it's been a re- good resource for me. Just a good reminder of, you know, looking at what's going on underneath that. I mean, we've been married, 13 years, 14 in December and two boys and, you know, trauma and miscarriages and allergy issues and, you know, sex issues and all the things that come in with babies and changes and development and crisis and trauma. And, and I think it's always good to have as many resources as you can. And I think y'all's does a really good job of, uh, of getting to core issues. You know, one of the reasons we call this asking why is because I like to ask like the why questions. Well, okay, I understand you need to do that or that's the symptom or that's the treatment, but why, like, why is this happening? And I like to tell people, you know, it feels like you fight about a thousand different things, but you only fight about a few different things, a thousand different ways. You know, it's those core elements that are the thing that keep coming up and, so how is it that um, you guys kind of help people? What if people don't have any insights? So maybe they can name their emotions. They can name what's going on. But how do you encourage them to maybe look back in their family or their childhood or, you know, to figure that stuff out? Well, you know, part of the journey, and that's, again, I know we, this may sound like we're being redundant, but when you s- start using a simple tool like mm-hmm. the core motion wheel and start asking yourself what's happening then you're more in the moment. So like right now, what's happening with fear? Well, you know, aware of time. I know we've got a, we've got a time thing today. You know, we're, we're, we're going out of town tomorrow. It's me tuning in right now to that. Mm. Now, the more you do this, it begins to open up things in your life that you're often not even aware um, that this is a journey you're about to go on. So for example, mm. um, anger, I realized, uh, even though I've been doing this core emotion wheel for years now, it's, it was earlier this year that I realized I'm having a super hard time with anger, with the primary anger, there's primary and secondary anger. Mm -hmm. Most people are confused about the two secondary anger is masking Mm -hmm. another core emotion. I feel sad, but what you see is anger, what you Mm -hmm. feel or what you express is anger, but really you're, it's because you're sad or you're hurt or there's fear under there. 
So core level anger is the driver. It's like that adrenaline. Mm. If you're a marathon runner, you need to be tapping into that core anger. anger. Yes. And it's interesting because I I used to run half marathons and people would talk about the runner high, never experienced that. And I think it's because I didn't know how to tap into Mm. core level anger. And usually when I do have done the wheel in the past, anger for me is, you know, like the starving children in India. That's kind of where I go with it. It's not personal. It's not close to home for me. Well, in doing some pretty deep diving into that at the beginning of this year, um, for for huh, un, you know reasons that came out in my body, which is interesting how your body sometimes when it starts to break down, it forces you to look at some stuff pretty seriously. So mm-hmm. anger was the thing that came up and I'm like, what? And so then through some therapy realized I am terrified of anger and it goes all the way back to my childhood in seeing my older brothers fight. So I'm the baby of the family. They were older than I and they would fight and it scared me always. Mm. They were physical. um, They would hit each other. They would throw things at each other. You know, there would be blood sometimes in the way they fought. So as a little girl, anger equals violence Mm. for me. And so in this, therapy earlier in the year, I, my therapist asked me to like describe anger, describe it. And what it was for me is a black hole, dark black hole. So you got to go down in there, which is terrifying. And then you may never make it out. Mm. And it's like, oh my goodness, no wonder I'm having such a hard time really tuning in to core level anger for myself. I'm terrified of it. So I had to do a lot of work with uh, that journey of anger and it released all kinds of stuff in me from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know I was holding it. I didn't know this was a journey I needed to go on. Mm -hmm. But when you start this kind of work, you may, it may lead you down other roads, but it's so simple. It's slow in the sense of you can just start with the here and now tune into what's happening for you right now today. What is your sad today? What is your lonely today? And then it's not so overwhelming. It's like, okay, thank you. I don't want to have to dig up all of my skeletons in my childhood can we just start with today? And can I get some immediate relief? And the answer is yes. And I believe that's why, you know, we've worked with so many couples who have seen radical changes Mm. in their marriages, couples that have been separated, going towards divorce, Mm. who find us, start working with us, use these tools and have brought their marriage back together, have found healing. And it's incredible because it's in the here and now. And it's right now every day. So you know every day without a shadow of doubt what's happening with me and I know what's happening with you. And I can just make space for it. And when I hurt Glenn and he can just tell me that, I don't have to, you know, wallow. I don't have to apologize a million times. I don't have to, you know, on and on the list goes. I don't have to explain myself and try to make him understand all this. It's like, no, I can just hear his hurt. And wow, he feels so regarded and he feels so heard by me now. And it's not because I'm saying all the right words. I'm just making space for what's happening for him. Mm, That's so good. I love that. Can we do, um, can we kind of get that live action that we talked about and maybe work through some of that and show people an example of how they can do that? Because I know that it's all theoretical until the the crap hits the fan. There's there's a Navy SEAL quote that I love. It says, uh, 
when the crap hits the fan, it doesn't say crap. When the crap hits the fan, most people don't know where the fan is. And I love that because, you know, it's true in the moment, uh-huh. you know, people think they're going to do something or say they're going to do something and then it goes down and they're like out of it. So let's, let's yeah. show us some uh, live action. That'd be great. I love that. So what, what we're talking about is we're going to do, Glenn and I are going to do the core emotion wheel. And so is Clint, which is really cool. But if you're listening, uh, we actually, if you'll go to connectioncodes.co forward slash asking why, uh, it will send you to a landing page where you can download the core motion wheel. So you'll have it in front of you and it'll teach you the rules of how to use it. And there'll be a video with that uh, just for your listeners that will also show them how to how to do this. So um, but yeah, let's do it. Well, and let me say that's a, a free download because we want people just to right, have right. this and it will walk you through how to do this. Uh, there are specific rules uh, in doing it. So we just want to make sure that uh, people are able to, to do it successfully. Yeah. yeah thanks for doing that, guys. I appreciate that. Oh, we'll have cool. Chip link it and make sure people can get on there. Cool. Awesome. All right. I'll start. So since we just covered anger, mm. I, I will talk about anger. So just in some of the conversations we've had today and yesterday, I, I, I feel a lot of anger that we were never able to take care of my mm. mom, which mm. was always a a, a dream of mine. And when the time yeah. came, we weren't able, mm. and yet now we're taking care of your mom. And I do feel anger in that I'm mm-hmm. the daughter-in-law never thought this would be my life, my season. So yeah. feel anger in that mm. I do feel fear as well. We're about to go out of town and whenever we leave, mm. something seems to always happen with mm. your mom. And mm. I feel like I try to cover all the bases, but it doesn't always happen. Mm. Uh, some loneliness in that when it's time for us to go out of town because I am the one who is the tasker. So my list is always long of getting everything lined up perfectly so we can go and do feel alone in that often. Um, I'm always just thankful when you get your suitcase done. Um, a lot of joy about going out of town uh, with you. Love being on the beach with you and uh, love the sound of the ocean and being able to experience that with you is always dreamy. I do. I feel guilt because I missed with you yesterday um, and I just was not tuning in. And I know that's hurtful. And I feel shame when I do that because I know how important this is. And it only takes a few seconds if I'll just oh, tune in. Yeah. So feel guilt and shame over that. Sad. Oh, man. Sad. Yesterday was rough just with... The, uh, it was my nephew's birthday and he's mm. passed away. That's always hard for my sister. Mm. And just it's that moment when as a family, we kind of tune in, we start telling stories via text and it's just kind of shocking that he's not here. So I feel a lot of sad in that, um, hurt. Oh, I think, you know, I know, um, I missed with you yesterday, but then last night when we were trying to get as much done for the trip. I felt like you weren't tuning in or I knew you were tired, but it was like we had to do it last night. And so I feel hurt when you're, you're not on the page with me logistically and you're just not tuning in that I feel hurt in that. Did I cover them all? I think so. I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. For me, um, yeah, I felt hurt yesterday morning uh, just with the miss Mm -hmm. and you know, you're so powerful and you're, you get so much done, but then sometimes you forget about Mm -hmm. humans and I just happen to be one of those. Um, So I felt some pain in that uh, interaction. Mm -hmm. I feel guilt that I'm not 
a better tasker that mm. so, so much ends up being on your plate. Uh, wow. It's just amazing that I miss stuff that just mm. fundamental things like taking shirts on vacation. Who knew mm. I was supposed to bring yeah. shirts? Um, and I just miss that. And I feel some shame in that too because I'm actually yeah. a, a grown adult that mm. should, should yeah. be confident. It startles me that I show up mm. places like oh. Those socks, Who, mm. whatever. <laughs> so we'll be at the beach, so hopefully it'll work out. Yeah. Um, tons of joy about going away with you tomorrow. Mm. It's such a blast. I'll go anywhere with you anytime, mm. do anything. Wow. But if I get to choose the beach, it's a great uh-huh. choice because yeah. it's just so fun. Uh, and then our oldest grandchild is going with us, which mm-hmm. is pretty spectacular, uh, too, that she'll be there for a few days. Uh, let's see, fear, fear about this whole, um, task of reaching the world with this mm-hmm. message. Wow. Uh, somehow I think we've been entrusted with this and we found the cure for relational cancer. And mm-hmm. I'm like, dang, this is a big undertaking. I'm glad yeah. we have a good team around us, but whew, it feels like a lot. I feel fear mm-hmm. of not being adequate, a little bit wow. of shame in that, uh, too. Uh, lonely in that sometimes too. Mm-hmm. I know this is kind of my brainchild and, um, like, dang, I don't know that I'm up to the task. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. I don't know that I'm, but it feels like such a wonderfully huge, mm. beautiful burden, but it still feels like a burden at times yeah. that we've got to get this out. Um, some sadness with my mom, just I wish mm. we could connect better. I don't know uh, how to do that. She's mm. 95. I don't think she's changing too much in the next year or so. Uh, but I usually walk away with sadness from uh, interactions uh, with her. Uh, let's see. Did I cover anger? I don't remember. Uh, I, if, if I didn't, um, I am really, really driven uh, with this whole mission. Mm. Uh, I love it so much joy that I get to do it with you, mm. but in that core level anger that we, we have to get this done. We have to wow. stay on point, uh, which really motivates me that we don't miss. Cause when we mm-hmm. miss each other, we're useless, or at least I am, um, mm. you know, it's just ridiculous how, yeah. how knocked off course, uh, we get, uh, if we miss, uh, with each yeah. other. So again, just so much joy that we know what to do. We have the tools and when we use them, we win. It's amazing. A lot of wow. fun. Thank you. That was great. So, you do that, Clint. Did you have the eight core emotions? I got them. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, one thing you said is that I'd like to ask a question about before I go is um, when you miss what, um, what do you mean by that? Can you explain like when you miss what that means? Yeah, I mean, yesterday morning, and again, Phyllis is perpetual motion. She's phenomenal. There's an upside and a downside to everything. The upside is, whoa, Phyllis is, you know, if it wasn't for her, I'd probably be dead. I mean, just so many <laughs> things. I literally did not too long ago. I showed up for a vacation. I had no shirts. And I'm like, shirts? What was I supposed to bring? It's unbelievable. Because I'm a competent professional. Thank you very much. And I'm yeah. just like, what's wrong with me? I didn't pack any shirts. Um, anyway, um, I did have the one I was wearing, so I just <laughs> kept watching <laughs> Not the point, Clint. Don't bring up those painful oh, <laughs> memories. Um, Go back to the mess. Yes, what do you so, mean by that? Yesterday morning, she's just busy. And um, I, I don't even remember what the thing was that uh, I mentioned to her, but she just didn't tune in to me. And it's not because she's bad or wrong or evil that she has any bad intentions. Mm-hmm. She's just getting stuff done, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Again, that's the upside. And she just didn't tune in to me. And so then a little bit later, um, whatever the thing was, I can't remember what it was, but um, she completely missed that it needed to happen therefore she missed me and so we just missed with each other so i felt wounded 
that mm-hmm. she had not tuned into me. So I, we call it losing identity. I felt a little bit less identity. I felt a little bit less valuable to her. It's like, mm-hmm. wait, I just explained all that like 20 minutes ago. And how, how did you not? And she just either didn't hear it because she's mm-hmm. busy again, doing the good and right thing, getting stuff done. And so when we miss with each other, uh, which is not real often anymore, and we process through it in 30 mm. seconds, which again blows my mind that that's a, that's a thing. You know, I think it's the opposite of so many couples think there's a right and a wrong and they mm. got to prove, you got to find out who's right, who's right. And you go into the courtroom to try to prove it, you know, and it's, it's you always lose in that. Mm. You really do. And so the miss, it's like, it's not because... I just missed with him. It's not because I'm a bad person or I'm wrong. He's right. Vice versa. It doesn't, it's just a miss. And, and it, it pulls us together mm-hmm. instead of being stuck in this, trying to prove well, what I was doing was really worthwhile and what you were doing wasn't. And on and on we go down that road mm-hmm. thinking there's a right and a wrong and it has to be proved. It's like, it was just a miss. I missed with him. And then last night he missed with me and and we didn't have a conflict about it. We were just able to share the pain, like, oh, or the lonely. For me, it was lonely last night that I, I just couldn't get him motivated to back. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I feel alone in this. Here mm. we go. I got to. So does that explain that? Yeah. So how would you how would you bring that to each other? Um, like when you feel that loneliness, would you say, I need to go, you know, I need to go through the core motion wheel? You know, what what's kind of the, the language that you use? No, the core motion wheel is an exercise to train us to do this in real time. So yeah. she's able in that moment to go, Babe, I'm feeling some loneliness here. We call it the three phrases. I literally, last night I, I go, oh, what happened with lonely? What am I missing? Uh, and the third phrase just that I'm missing it. I'm not missing mm-hmm. it because I'm dumb or evil. And she's not experiencing it because she's dumb or evil. That's just what's happening. And we're able to process through that very, very quickly. Well, and it gets you to the fourth phrase, which is what do you need? Mm. And when he says that, then I'm, then I'm able to go, I just need your partnership. Mm. I need you to start putting some stuff in the car. uh, Cause, and then it's like, he's tuning into me and it just makes all the difference. But that's because she conveyed the core emotion. You know, if she were to say something like, uh, you know, well, it'd be nice to have some help around here. Uh, good luck Sideways. with that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. So in my lingo, I'm like, you know, I think about it from that authenticity standpoint and try to teach people that when you're communicating the secondary emotion or you're saying you did this and you're, you're not communicating what's really going on, then there's the other person feels like it's inauthentic and now there's danger. And you, you called it the wolf, which I love because it's true. I work, I work with equine therapy and you know, horses fear wolves. They're looking for their prey animals and it's the same thing. You know, they, if you're not authentic with them, then they're not going to connect with you and they're not going to follow you and be in relationship with you because it's dangerous. And we as humans are, I mean, our brains are very similar when it comes to trauma brains. We're constantly mm-hmm. looking for the danger. And so I love, man, I love, I love this. So, okay, that's helpful. Uh, and the four phrases, can you say those one more time? Yeah, the first three go together. It's just the ooh, which there's dozens of versions of the ooh. It's just something audible. We have a lot of research on that. If I'm audible with her, it tickles the pleasure center of her brain. If I'm silent, I could be totally tuned in. If I'm silent, it tickles the pain region, typically a mm-hmm. lonely experience. Of her brain and she's not trying to do any of that that's just what's happening so it's just an ooh just something audible just like mm. and you know of course you saw me doing that mm-hmm. as she's doing the wheel. and during the wheel we only use the ooh we don't use all three phrases but then in real time 
the ooh leads you to the second and third phrase, which is what happens, uh, you know, and just ask what happens. Don't ask, what are you feeling? Uh, how's that make you feel? No, literally to just say, so babe, what happens for you there? Then the third phrase is I missed it because my positioning is I'm missing something. It's not that you're an idiot and you're not explaining it well enough. I'm missing it. Now, maybe she did explain it poorly, uh, but I can't sell that to her. Babe, you didn't explain that very well. You need to do better. I can't sell that. Yeah. But if I say, babe, I think I missed something there. Could you help me get what happened uh, for you? And then, so those three go together. And then after she processes the emotion, scientifically, she's clearing out the limbic system. So her cortex is engaged. Mm -hmm. Then I say, so what do you need? Uh, and that's the human condition. The human experience is meeting needs. And now I'm going to find out. And the eight core emotions are messengers telling us what the needs are. That's why it's so important to recognize the eight core emotions so that I know what the need is I need to get hit with guilt occasionally because I missed with her. And this is my girl. I, there's one of her on the whole planet. There's 8 billion people is only one of her. So if I don't get hit with guilt, I just keep repeating the same dumb mistakes over and over again and wounding her. Whereas if I get hit with guilt, I'm like, oh, shoot, I, babe, I, ugh, dang it, I missed with that. Mm -hmm. This was valuable to me and I just missed it. And now I can shift my behavior. I don't have to. Uh, but if she's valuable to me, I'm going to shift my behavior so I don't miss and wound uh, her the next time. And yeah. now I'm a better version of myself. That's good. I like that. Very, very helpful. Okay. Thank you. Um, so I'm going to try to go through this core motion wheels that we're doing. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> yeah, I'll That's do it. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. What's my primary um, feeling today? Um, I would say maybe fear. Um I have a book coming out and, you know, just fear that it's not going to do well or that people aren't going to, you know, that I'm, I'm not known enough to get it out to the people who need it. And so that, you know, nothing's going to happen and it's just going to kind of sit there and five people are going to buy it and all this work and effort and energy and time, um, you know, means nothing. Uh, anger, probably a second to that. Um, I definitely feel that drive like you, like this is very important. Um, this is something that can save our kids and can save our future and that no one's talking about and very few people are dealing with. And I'm angry that our society is hurting kids one and two, that parents are so caught up in their own shame and fear and worry and popularity that they're just ignoring this huge issue that's going on with our kids and it, whether it's abuse or technology or social media or whatever. So just angry about, you know, feeling driven that like, I don't want, I have a five and a half and an eight and a half year old. And so I don't want to look up in 10 years and go, well, I could have done something about it, but I, you know, it's too much. It was overwhelming, it, you know, whatever the, the excuse I would give. And so just that, that drive to like, yeah, get that done. And I love that, you know, I do jujitsu. And, and so having that little bit of core anger, you know, and, and drive, you know, it's not being angry. It's not acting crazy and angry, but it's like, you have to have a little bit of that ego strength to like, you know, survive. Um, I'll just go around the circle from there. Um, shame, um, probably shame. Um, just the voice in my head that says, you know, you're a sinner, you're not enough. You make mistakes. You're a counselor, you're a podcaster, you teach, you write, like how, are, how are you making mistakes still? How are you still screwing up? Um, you're never going to get it together. You know, that kind of stuff comes up a lot in my voice. I mean, in my head, you know, just voices from parent, parental figures or pe people in the past saying things. Um, guilt. Um, 
guilt probably just that um, my yeah, it's you know shame and guilt are so closely tied but I would say probably guilt in the sense that um I want to be better for my kids you know I want to be um, as best as I can be as a father and sometimes in the world we live I don't always know what the right answers are I'm not always reacting in a perfect Christ-like way um, and I don't feel shame about that in the sense that I feel unworthy but I feel guilt like motivated to do better and, and go, okay, yeah. yeah, I didn't handle that situation better. I don't know the answer to this. So let me find the answer because they deserve better. Um, mm-hmm. loneliness. Um, yeah, marriage probably it's, it's hard, you know, we're, um, homeschooling our kids this year and, um, you know, just excited about that. And, um, just lonely in the sense that I know it's going to take a lot of my wife's time and energy and, mm-hmm. and perspective. And we got little kids and, um, you know, for everybody who has little kids and you're in that little kid season, it can be lonely while you're trying to both connect with them, connect with each other, you know, connect yeah. with friends, yeah. just the overall view of like, here we are together surviving to take care of these little monsters. And, uh, and we got an, we only have so much energy to give to friends, to each other, to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, sad, um, probably sad, you know, I got some relationships that are parental relationships that are disconnected that, you know, it just mm-hmm. makes me sad that they're that way and that they continue to be that way um, because of people's trauma and hurt and inability to trust and, you know, a lot of things. And so I wish that that was different. I wish that they didn't have the pain that they had. I wish that some of them were still around. I wish that, you know, people were still alive that I did have good relationships with or could have. Um, so that's that. Hurt. Um hurt sometimes in oh man that's a hard one um hurt uh, maybe in people's lack of reciprocation sometimes in relationships you know you feel like you you show up you give you say the thing you give the positive encouragement you give the feedback you share their stuff you you know you go back and forth and have people on and try to you know rising tides raise all ships kind of thing and I think sometimes people are just too busy and caught up in their own stuff to reciprocate that. And, and I, again, I don't think it's personal. I think it's just what it is, but sometimes that's hurtful when you feel like, you know, you're the one paying attention to it or seeing it or catching it and, and other people aren't. Um, and then lastly, we'll end on a positive one. Uh, not that they're all bad, but just hard, uh, joy, uh, very joyful about what I get to do, get to have you guys on just being in this moment, being honest about my feelings and having other humans who I know, care about this stuff, um, be connected to me right now, even for an hour, an hour and 30 minutes, um, connecting with people that love Jesus and are trying to make the world better makes me really happy. So leaving this and, and being reminded that there are other people out there that are fighting this fight and their spheres of influence, creating Mm -hmm. content, creating material for uh, people to know Jesus, to, to love God, to act in accordance with scripture from a, not only just a biblical perspective, but a psychological scientific perspective makes me extremely happy because sometimes I think that goes back to the lonely one. You just can feel kind of isolated in what you do and think, does anybody else, you know, care about this or is this a passion for anybody else? And so that's what I was very thankful for, you know, looking at you guys' stuff is just this kindred kind of spirit. Um, and so I was excited to have you on for that. So a lot of joy in that and then joy and joy in marriage and joy in parenting, um, joy with friends, we have a lot of fun. All four of us are extremely extroverted, so it's very loud and and lots of laughter and fun and uh, and you know. So that's it. 
think I got all of them. Oh, That's dang, amazing. Yeah. yeah. You're a wheeler. I love it. Thank you, Clint. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank y'all for uh, listening. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I, I just want to say that again for the download connectioncodes.co forward slash asking why. So you can get this and, you know, for your listeners, Clint didn't have a warning. It's not like he wrote all this out ahead of time. <laughs> Very much in the moment, which is what this is supposed to be. It's just genuine in the moment, what's happening for you and love that you did that. And if, if you as a listener are exploring our website and you see all of our masterclasses and you're like, well, I want to just dive right in. If you use the code asking why 20, it will give you 20% off of any of our masterclasses. And yeah, just love this time. And, um, it's been really powerful. When is your book coming out, Clint? November 6th. So um, it's called How Building. Say that again. Will you pre-order it? Yeah, you, you'll be able to pre-order it by, I think, Friday. So I, I finished with the publisher stuff literally this weekend, and we're working on some um, stuff on the back of the book to finish. Um, I, I launched the cover art yesterday and just showing everybody kind of what we came up with. And uh, wow. it's, it's called Building Better Bridges, a guidebook to having difficult conversations that can save our kids. And so wow. it kind of takes us through a, uh, you know, few chapters of history on parenting and where we've come from. And a lot of the things we talked about today, just not understanding our kids and their developmental stages. And, and then that leads wow. into kind of ACEs scores and trauma and epigenetic changes, which then wow. leads into why we've experienced so much sexual abuse and sexual trauma over the course of the last, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. And then uh, that leads into kind of cell phones and, and the internet and exposure levels mm -hmm. and why things are so drastically different in the 80s to now. And then it's kind of a guide into social media and cell phones and devices and why those are causing problems. And then a lot of what to do about that, a lot of apps and other books and resources and um, a breakdown of like, here's exactly what you can say when these things happen. Here's who you can report it to. Here's why and all the neuroscience and psychology and resources around all of those things. And that came out of, um, I got to do a Ted talk in January. And wow. so, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of work. And, uh, you guys know the ACEs scores, right? Adverse childhood experiences. And one of the things that's not listed is what I call childhood sexual neglect. And so it's what happens when a child grows from, um, birth to adulthood without healthy and age appropriate conversations about consent, body safety, uh, proper terms for private parts and sexual development in general. And so wow. in my research and a lot of work I've been doing, it's, it's, you know, meeting with church members, going and speaking and talking to people and clients. And we have about 20 something therapists that work for me. And so all of their clients and just, you know, there's just four years of hearing from people. Oh, my parents never talked to me about those things. They never oh. talked to me about menstruation. They never talked to me about masturbation. They never talked to me about sex or porn or any of these things. And I experienced those things on my own, not knowing they were going to happen or with another child or God forbid, another adult. And now I'm in therapy at 50 and this is the first time I've talked about it. And I think that's a real core problem with our sex lives, with our marriage, with our addiction, with our shame that really very few people are diving into and digging into. And so the book kind of unpacks that idea and then gives a very parental directed kind of here's how you can recover from your situation or your teen situation. And here's how you can prevent it in your kids 10 and under. Wow. And this is a 970 page book, right? Yeah. It's about two, I think it's two seventy two or something like that. Yeah. Um, 
just under a thousand. We tried to keep it. That's in, amazing. I mean, dude, just everything you just shared yeah, is that's so a lot powerful. For a 200 yeah. something page book. Yeah, we would love to have you on our podcast just to talk about your book and oh, yeah. bring, awesome. that to, bring that to our audience. And um, yeah. I was going to say, that. it sounds like a bundle. Put the building better bridges with connection codes in. Well, that's. Yeah. yeah. No, for yeah, sure. There's a lot of things about that that I would love to talk to you about, guys about after this. And just, again, I think I really believe that, especially as Christians, um, there's mm-hmm. so few people really diving into these things and really getting yeah. into people's marriages right. that if we can all work off of each other, I mean, it's all God's truth, right? It's all his idea. Like you said, like nothing I write in there is, you know, new under the sun. It's just trying to put it in a way that's simple. And each chapter yeah. is is informative and, and, and has great research, but I try to keep it, um, the feedback, I've had about 15, 20 people read it and the feedback's been, it's very conversational. It's the average parent can read it and get it yeah. and understand it. Yeah. So I'm with you guys, like you can get really hit. You can read the body keeps the score, right? But that's going to be, oh my gosh, it's a, I love it. It's a great book for a clinician, but everybody I ever send to read it is like, oh, I couldn't get through the first three chapters before my brain was vegged out. Yep, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So I think, I think the balance is great. And, you know, even just with that, if we're disconnected in our marriage, if we're not being authentic with our spouse and you have children, Mm. it's kind of like, what have you got left to give to that relationship as far as authenticity and those hard conversations? Mm. And because especially for many of us, because we didn't grow up with that. So we weren't having them. We don't, that wasn't modeled to us. That sure wasn't talked about at church in, in, in any form youth group or beyond to know how to have these conversations with our kids. But when we're not being authentic with our spouse and we don't know how to even tune into ourselves, it's just, we just keep passing it on, you know? And when you go, okay, I'm going to learn this from me because I want to teach my children Mm -hmm. in for them how to give them a voice where they can say, I felt hurt today when this was said to me at school or, you know, by the neighborhood kid, they can come home and have the language to tell you what's happening with them. And just this simple core emotion wheel, when you're sitting down at dinner and and your kids then are telling you Mm -hmm. the hurt, ding, ding, ding. You as a parent are like, Whoa, what happened today in this neighborhood? And, you know, or at school or on the bus and it gives you just a very natural, fun way mm. to do an, uh, something with your right. kids at dinner. Mm. So it's like, you got to start with yourself. Mm. Let me figure out what's happening with me. Because if I can't figure it out, then I'm not doing this with my spouse. Mm. And I can't be doing this with my kids either. You're so right. I mean, I, I love, again, I didn't, <laughs> I wanted to write a book on marriage. You know, that was what, I, I'm a MFT as well. And so I love marriage. I love seeing couples. I love doing marriage retreats. Um, but you know, God had other plans. And so, you know, I have some sexual trauma in my past and, um, you know, all the friends and all the people that I know and, you know, for my whole life, I feel like that's just been something that's always, everybody's been very vulnerable with me about because I'm usually open about it as, Mm -hmm. as I've gotten older and especially since therapy and, you know, I'm a CSAT, which is certified sex addiction therapist. And so I work with a lot of addicts and 99% of them, you know, 99% of the human trafficking victims I've worked with, 99% of the abusers I've worked with have these things going on. And so it just gave that, I love that, uh, you know, I've really never heard of, of, I mean, that protest anger is what I typically called it, that deep rooted, like we got to do something about this. Um, but I love that core anger piece that you guys talk about. Um, because that is the motivator. It's like, I'm angry that all these guys and all these women are suffering and they feel shame and they're being looked at 
had as monsters when when they were kids they had these terrible things happen that no one protected them from and so right. you guys's work and um the hargraves work and you know the gottman work and a lot of the good marriage stuff that's out there like it's the it's the thing that holds it together because if they don't have parents having good communication and healthy communication, then they're not going to communicate about what I'm talking about. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the building the bridges is the ideas, you know, you have to build a bridge between you and your spouse, you and your child that can hold heavy things. And if your bridge is made out of straw, it's not going to tolerate a difficult conversation about sex or it's not going to, it's not going to be able to hold a conversation about you. You know, I'm hurt. I'm lonely. I'm sad. That bridge is just not going to hold it. And it's going to fall apart. And so, um, we've got a lot of, uh, building to do in my opinion. Yes, we sure do. Well, well thank you for yeah. having us on your show mm -hmm. Man, excited to do this again with you on your show. Lo I love the idea of having you on ours and yeah. that's just love what you're doing. Clint. Yeah, thank really, you. really, I really appreciate it. appreciate y'all coming on. I'll send y'all an advanced copy. I should get some hopefully by the beginning of next week and, uh, I'll send y'all an advanced copy and then we can schedule it and I'll come on there and we'll talk yeah. about it. Sounds awesome. Amazing. Thank you it. so much. Clint. All right. Well, thank you guys. Go ahead. Where are you in the world? Where do you live? I'm in Shreveport, Louisiana. Oh, okay. you're not far. So I went to, yeah, I went to uh, Fuller Theological Seminary in California is where I got my master's. And so moved around a bunch. I was in the army for a while. And um, so I've been all over the place. But Shreveport's been our home for about 10, 12 years now. And, uh, you know, we love it. We're trying to make it a better place. And, you know, we got friends and connection and community here. So, um, we have some other practices in some other cities and, you know, I'm over there here and there, but, um, you guys are in Nashville. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, if I'm, if I'm up there to speak or do something, I'll definitely uh, reach Ooh. out. But, um, yeah. do y'all do, do podcasts like this online or you do it in person? How, how do y'all work that out? Just like what we're doing right now. Okay. That's awesome. how we do yeah. Cool. We'll hook it up. Well, thank y'all for listening. Uh, listeners, please check their stuff out. Um, you can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. You can find their book. Um, we'll list that code for everybody. Um, but thank y'all for coming on and God bless everybody. <laughs>